Father, I pray you give us um, ears to hear, and I ask to perceive, Father God, that we would see things differently, we would see um, our worldview would change, Father, and that we would um, hear what it is you have for us and how our worldview needs to change and how our actions will match up to that and how we'll live different lives, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so last week we did this thing with the whole mountain thing, and that was because, um, as I said last time, we were doing this Christmas series last year, and um, I hadn't really thought that through, so we did three weeks of Christmas, and um, I wanted to kill myself. Uh, I couldn't take Christmas anymore. So this year I thought, like, forget that, we're only doing one Christmas um, kind of talk um, for, for the year, and um, it's cool, man. Yeah. Um, we're only doing one Christmas talk uh, this time. So um, Apollo, who does all our designs for the church, for every single series, all the stuff you see on Facebook, on the website, all that stuff, um, he does all that um, for us. And I was like, you know what? This guy kind of smashed it with design. So I said, just hit me with stuff you've done in your spare time for fun. I flicked through all the different images he had, and I just picked the two images that I felt were really kind of speaking to me, that I really felt God was talking through. And so if you notice at the bottom of the hymnal, it's got a couple, it's got today's picture. So last week there was this great mountain design piece he did. Um, this week we've got this beautiful design that he's done of this like woman hanging in the air um, with ropes coming from a cloud kind of holding her up and these birds flying around her. And as I kind of looked at that, um, a few things started to come to me. Now, my dad has this insane obsession with feeding every single sparrow for like a 50 mile radius. Like we literally have like about 200 sparrows in one bush. So every morning I wake up to what sounds like a Lord of the Rings style army of people but that are sparrows shouting at each other and just trying to sing songs and it, I wake up just like... And so when I kind of looked at this picture, first of all, it made me have a little twitch. Because I was like, birds, uh. But um, second, when I looked at the kind of the woman there, just hanging by these ropes, um, I felt that that really kind of um, jumped out and spoke to me. So if you go in your Bibles to Matthew, if you've gone with you, chapter 10 and verse 26. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 26. Um, Jesus is having a chin wag, and he says, so have no fear of them, um, he's talking about people who are uh, persecuting them because the things that they say, the ideas that they have, the way they see the world, it threatens other people's worldview, the way they live their lives, they find themselves threatened by some of the things that he's been saying, so he's saying, have no fear of those people, nothing is covered that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in dark, say in the light. He's saying, don't be afraid about saying the things that I'm telling you in private. Speak about these things openly. Speak about this worldview. Speak about this, this, this way of living. Speak about this kingdom that can't quite be seen, that we want to see come. Real revolution, real change within society. He's saying, speak about that publicly. I say it in, in private with you, but speak it in open. I tell you in dark, you say in light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim from the housetops. Like, don't keep this thing quiet. Do not keep this to yourself. It can bring so much change if we live by these values. Do not fear those who can kill the body. Guys, don't fear people that can, like, turn around and murk you for the things you say, the things you believe. He says, that's not what you need to worry about. He says, rather fear him who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. So he's saying, like, in life, what happens is there are certain people in our spheres of influence that when they say something, even though what they say we don't necessarily like, 
But there's something within us that goes, well, he said it, so I kind of need to roll with it. Because you know what I mean? He's, he's Ron Burgundy. He's, he's kind of a big deal. So I need to kind of flow with that. Or we see these people like, who are like these kind of these gurus, these influencers in society. They say something and we feel like this kind of pressure to roll with it even though we don't necessarily like what they say. And so often in our lives, we even spend money on things we don't like or don't want or don't need to impress people we don't even want in our lives in the first place. And so he's saying here, like, don't be fearing these the, the people that can put pressure on you. Don't fear these kind of things. He says, don't hold them as in the place of respect to determine how you live your lives. Hold the one who determines all things in the position that, uh, of, of respect that you would live your life according to what pleases him. Then he goes on to say, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not. Therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But who denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father. He's saying, guys, we need to be public about this. Don't keep this to yourself. Like in our society, one of the key things about um, like politics, religion, two things, never talk about at a party. Like, never talk to anyone about those kind of things. People freak out. As soon as you say anything, they go, oh, don't give me that. I'm like, I'm not giving you anything. I'm just having a conversation. Like, politics, uh, religion, Christianity, can't talk about Jesus. He's saying, guys, don't just, don't dumb it down because of that. Because you know what? It's not about um, just fearing what other people say, what other people think. But, um, you know, have respect and, and hold it in the context of who God is and his plan is. And that should matter more to us. And then he's talking about we have these worries, these concerns, these fears. So he wants to put it in perspective. He goes, okay, well, let's talk about the smallest thing in the marketplace. We'll get sold in the marketplace in his time. Sparrows. Small little sparrows. He says you get two for a penny. Two for a penny. The most insignificant thing in their marketplace, he says, that is going out, that is being sold, that people are buying. This most insignificant of items being sold, he says, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. Not one of them will die separate from God. Not one of them will die forgotten. Not one of those will be left. And then he says, um, fear not. He says, don't be afraid about life. Don't be afraid about your provision. Don't be afraid about your situation. Because you are worth more than many sparrows. I remember my dad telling me this particular passage. I'd never really read it before. I remember hearing it as a kid. And my dad used to tell me when I was anxious about things at school, when I was anxious about friends, what people thought of me, he would kind of share this passage with me. And the reason he would share it with me is because there was a point where my parents, like, they had this, this huge, they had this mortgage over their heads. Um, my mum did, like, small part-time work. My dad had just been made redundant. And he thought, like, oh, okay, that's okay. I've got this redundancy money. That's great. That lasts a while. He thought he'd get back into work quick. And he didn't get back into work for ages. And it got to the point where he, would, he, he, he was literally lying awake at night. And sometimes my mum was asleep. He would just cry. And he was just so afraid and so scared. There's me in the other room, fast asleep, not caring the world. I don't know what mortgage is. I don't understand about these worries. I don't know about this stuff. And my dad is in the other room, just broken, just kind of like laying there crying. Yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> my dad, this broken man. Ha <laughs> I take pleasure in the sadistic pain of others. No, no. <laughs> yeah, Reuben got that. <laughs> and so my dad is there like, like really upset. He's like really like um, finding things really, really hard. And then he said that he lay there in this bed and he felt as if God say to him, like Matthew 10, at um, verse uh, 26 to 33. That's what he felt. And he went and he opened his Bible and he read it. 
And all of a sudden, he could just hear as if just for himself in that exact moment in time, so afraid, so panicked by a situation, not knowing how they're going to pay the bills, not knowing if they're going to lose the house, not knowing if they're going to be made homeless. And this is a real fear for my dad because my dad had lived at a time when his dad and wife and three kids were thrown out onto the street. And not just thrown out of the street, they were kicked out of their flat that they lived in and they managed a news agent's below. So they were thrown out of both their business and livelihood and their home above. And so my dad had known what it was as a kid to lose all of that and he was looking at the same situation in the face and he was so, so scared and he was worried about these things. And so he looked at this passage and as he was there reading this, he just felt this peace in a God he could trust, realizing that if not a single sparrow drops to the ground without God caring, without God knowing about it, apart from him, separate from him, and God is saying, you are worth more than many sparrows. My dad was like, wow, he has got me. He has got this. And one of the things my dad always remembered, he had this one picture that he always shared with me as a kid, was literally the one about them being kind of made homeless. Three kids and a mum and dad and losing their business. And he said, his, he said, he always told me about like my granddad and how he was in the church on the Sunday. On the Monday, they were losing their home and everything. He was in the church. Like his hands raised, singing, worshiping God, and then my dad said, "When the, like they, they did, they took an offering there in that church, and as the offering kind of went past, he was still putting in his offering." <laughs> my dad was just like, hey, "Man, you crazy, you cray cray!" But my dad, as a kid, saw that. But as an adult, what he would say to me, and I remember him saying to me, "A small child in my bed, put his hand on my chest, and he said, God took take care of Granddad. God takes care of us. God's going to take care of you, and you need to trust Him.'" And so at a young age, I learned this thing about trust. But when we talk about trusting in God, because the idea of God being all-powerful is a belief that pretty much goes with God. (laughs) It's like part of the package. You can't really remove that one. When we look at God and we look at faith and we look at our situations and fear, we think, because he's all-powerful and we can trust him, (laughs) and we think that, we think that it's going to be like smooth sailing. That it's going to be this like, oh man, he's got this, cool, no worries, no nothing, no any of this. It's going to be totally easy. I remember people telling me like, oh man, if God's in it, you don't need to worry about a thing. You just need to step out in faith and everything's going to be okay. And I'm like, when I've heard someone say that, I've looked at them and gone like, you've never stepped out in faith, have you? No, it's like, not like that at all, man. Um, the example we have is Peter stepping out in the middle of a storm and um, walking on water. That's some scary-ish right there. Like, that's not easy, man. It's a storm. It's not a paddling pool. And so that's what faith can be like. And so this particular picture, like, um, I want to encourage you guys to grab it, to download it off our Facebook, to keep it, print it out, whatever you need to do, have it on your phone. So when things get tough, you can look at that picture. If you look at it, there's a woman in the air, a cloud with ropes holding her. Let me tell you something, like, that would be some scary stuff right there. And that is, that's what faith feels like. Sometimes when you don't know where something's going to come from, sometimes we don't know how your needs are going to be met. Sometimes you can be afraid that a situation will always be the way it is, that it's never going to change, that it's never going to move. And it can feel like you're just hanging in the air by ropes that are coming from a cloud. It feels that kind of freakishly scary. It's not an easy thing. But what I love about the picture is there's these couple of birds flying past and we need to remember that not one of those birds is going to drop to the ground dead apart from God. And we are worth so much more than that. And he has got us. When Jesus um, was talking about that, He was connecting with an old psalm which says, Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord um, of hosts, the King of glory and my God. Jesus was referring to a psalm, a song that was 
uh, popular from the Old Testament that was making reference to like, they have a home, God's prepared, um, takes care of them, he'll take care of us. Um, this week, I had a really freakish experience. Um, I was doing the coffee stall, and it's great. I get to meet all different kinds of people on the street and stuff like that. And um, I've met a few crackpots the last couple of weeks. I've had one person just completely break down after their mum and dad has died and just stop crying, cry, 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 and had them for three hours. And that was like one of the biggest life drains of my life. It was great being there for them, great encouraging them, but you, they feel like a bit of a dementor just sucking the very life out of your body. You're like <laughs> trying to encourage them and stuff. And kind of, we had this week, me and Billy, and it was crazy. And then on Friday, as I desperately needed to get going to go to a youth camp, because I've just come back to youth camp last night um, with uh, King's Church, one of the churches that supports us. And um, I was getting ready to go away. I had to leave here quick to make it there to get um, the, the bus with them or the, the car up with them or whatever. And I need to leave here quick. And I'm looking around. And in the morning, it was raining. And I stole my mum's umbrella. And like, I went to look around the corner for it, just around there. And I'm like, oh, no, that is not my umbrella. Billy's taken my mum's umbrella, like, I'm, I am so screwed, like, not only have I jacked this thing, but, like, now I don't even have it to take back, so I had to text him, I had to wait for him, and I'm waiting for him, I'm thinking, oh, man, by the time I get home, I'm going to be late, I'm going to miss this, this is right up there, this is all getting screwed up, and then Billy manages to get there, and I'm, uh, come here, and I was like, oh, man, like, you're taking too long, so I ran down the road, I went to Sainsbury's, and I was just walking down the road to walk towards him to meet him, this, this woman comes out of nowhere and comes up to me and just grabs a hold of me, and starts going, you need to, like, help me. And I'm just like, oh, God, this is not what I need right now. And like, this woman's like, help me, help me. She's from Bulgaria, from Sofia, and she's got all these issues. She's like, I've been here one month. I'm homeless. I can't get a job. You've got a job? I'm like, no, I don't have a job. Have you got money? No, I do not have money. And, and she starts listing all these problems, all these troubles. And I'm just like, oh, man. And like, like, I didn't have any money to give her. But luckily for me, I had the church card on me. <laughs> and so I said to her, hey, you want to know what? Cool, let's go, let's go Sainsbury's. And she's going like, what? I'm like, yeah, we'll take you shopping. What do you want? She says, what do you mean what do I want? I'm like, yeah, what do you want? And so we start going around Sainsbury's. People are looking at me like, I'm walking around this, this woman who's probably an illegal immigrant. <laughs> I don't know. Who's just like walking around going, what do you want? And then she, this is where it started to get painful for me. It started to be a really, really painful experience. So I'm like, what do you want? And she goes like, I want bread and... Um, I was around meat slices. What are they called? Salami, that's it. So I want bread and salami. I was like, okay. So then you go to the bread section. I'm like, hey, this one. No, 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 that one. And she picks out the nice one. I'm like, oh, man, you're starting to take the pee now. And then I'm like, okay, okay, let's go get the salami. I'm like, uh, these packet one. No, no, this one. Oh, man, you're like really hurting me now. So I grab that. Um, and then it's like, she can't just have like butter. It has to be like one of those. And she goes, another brand. And I'm like, man, this is really starting to like take the pee. I, wanted, I was so close to telling her about herself. And I'm like, you know what? Do you want anything else? And then she goes like, oh, could I get something for my hair? And I'm thinking like, this is not happening to me. I was like, yeah, cool, why not? And so we walk along the aisles and I'm thinking, okay. And so I start pointing out these different shampoos. And then she grabs this random L'Oreal product I have never seen before. And she goes, yeah, th- this would be great. And I'm looking at it and everything within me wanted to just slap L'Oreal out of her hand. I go, you can have two, three, one pound ones there. Why are you flipping? Grabbing that, I wanted to like go mental at her. And Jody knows, Jody goes shopping with me, okay? Every item I get, I go, there's, there's a slightly cheaper version right next to it. Why are we grabbing this one? And so Jody knows I'm like the worst person in the world to shop with. I'm terrible. And I'm here with this woman and I just want to like, I want to kill her. I physically want to kill, I want to kill someone who's homeless on the streets. This is not like good right now. Okay. And so she grabs this L'Oreal thing and I'm just about, I'm just about literally about to tell her about herself. I'm about to like grab it out and put it back and grab these other things and put them in. And I had this moment. And this just goes to show you how good branding and marketing is. 
she, she, I'm about to grab it. I'm about to put it back. And then I had this moment, L'Oreal, because you're worth it. And I was like, oh, snap. Am I about to tell this homeless person you're not worth this? And what's worse is I'm not even doing this out of my money. I felt like God said to me, are you really going to pay for this with my money and my card and you're going to tell her you're not worth this? Oh, man, I felt sick. I felt so sick. She's got nothing going for her. She's homeless on the streets. Her family are back there. No one's feeding her. People around here are treating her like she's a cancer and a disease. That if they spend any time with her or help her, like they might catch something. <laughs> exactly. They might. Poverty, the most infectious disease. Classes do not mix in this country. Apparently more than ever in our society, upper class does not mix with middle class. Middle class doesn't mix with lower class. We just like stay in our lanes. Church is like the only place where you get a cross-section of different races and different classes. That's it. Everyone else's society stays in their lane. It's like, if I hang around with them, I might catch something. I might catch a disease. I might lose money. And so this poor woman is in like one of the richest affluent areas where everyone's kind of, well, not everyone, but a lot of people are looking at her like she's a complete vacuum of society. If you believe UKIP, she's killing our whole country. She's not actually getting any money anyway, so she's definitely not. But um, that's how people see people. And in this moment, I felt God challenge me and say to me, like, are you going to tell her on my account that she's not worth it? Now, the reason I share that is because as I looked at her, I started to see someone who had quite a lot of faith and who had to live by faith every single day. And so I went from a position of looking at her for having nothing and realizing, actually, she's got something so much more valuable than I've got. Because she lives by faith constantly. So I may look at her and think she's nothing because she's in poverty. But actually she has something precious and eternal that I don't even know about. Because she is trusting God in the most beautiful of ways. And living by faith every day because she has no other option. Now, Hebrews 11 verse 1 says this. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. Now this is what the commentary had to say about this. And I'm going to end on this. By defining faith as assurance and conviction, the author indicates that biblical faith is not a vague hope grounded in imaginary, wishful thinking. Instead, faith is a settled confidence that something in the future, something that is not yet seen, but has been promised by God, will actually come to pass. Because God will bring it about. Thus, Biblical faith is not blind trust in the face of a contrary evidence, not an unknowable leap in the dark. Rather, it is a confident trust in the eternal God who has revealed himself in his word in the person of Jesus Christ, whose promises have been proven true from generation to generation, who will never leave nor forsake his own. I thought, wow, what a... Demon, come out. No, I'm joking. Go back in. No, that's why I say bless you, innit? So, jokes. But as I was reading that, I thought that was so powerful. I thought that was so true. And I just wanted to say this morning that I know this to be true. And I want to tell all of you guys that this week, to start looking through your Bible for the promises of God for your life. Because his promises, it says, are yes and amen. His promises are true for us. They are trustworthy. We can put our faith in them. And it says here that 
God who revealed himself in his word in the person of Jesus Christ whose promises have been proven true from generation to generation and who will never leave nor forsake his own. I want to say this morning, I can testify right here, right now, that his promises are true. And I can testify from generation to generation. I can tell you about my granddad, not just when he was made homeless. I can tell you when he was hit by a piece of shrapnel in in the war, in the Second World War, went into his heart and he said to God, he made a deal. He said, God... You heal me, I'll give up smoking. In his culture, smoking was like a really big deal. Like for us, like smoking won't send you to hell, make you smell like you've already been though. So that was his thing, man. He was like, you deal, you heal me right now, that is gone. That addiction is not living in my life anymore. And you know what? God healed him. He lived. He was there. And I, my dad tells me, man, he bun smoking fast. I can talk about my dad. I can talk to you about my dad when... Um, he lost his job and the provision that God gave for him. I can tell you about my parents. They couldn't have children. Here I am this morning. His promises are yes and amen. I can talk to you about my dad when I was eight years old. My dad had this huge growth that appeared pretty much overnight on his hand. And he called me into his bedroom. He was really ill. He looked like completely pale and drained. And he said to me, son, I don't know what this is, but I'm afraid. I'm scared this could be cancerous or whatever. He goes, but we know Jesus heals. And he said to me, at eight years of age, you come, you lay your hand on my, on my hand, and you pray for it to be healed in the name of Jesus. And at the eight years of age, I said, in the name of Jesus, this goes tonight. And we're claiming healing for my dad, regardless of whatever it is. He hadn't banged it, hadn't knocked it. Don't know what it was. I'm not saying it was cancer, but it wasn't good. And we prayed for healing there and then. And the next morning, bang, it was gone. God's promises are yes and amen. We can trust in him. He has got us. And we have to put our faith in him. There's, there's no other way. Not one sparrow drops to the ground that he doesn't know about. You guys are worth more to him than many, many sparrows. We can trust in him for our situation. We can trust in him to deliver us. He is faithful and he is true. I'm going to pray for us and that will be it for today. Father, I thank you that you are trustworthy. I thank you that you are faithful. I thank you, Father God, that I can testify that when things have been tough, when things have been bad, no matter what's happened, you have been faithful to my family. You've been faithful to my granddad. You've been faithful to my father. You've been faithful to me. And Father God, as me and Jody have a child, Father, I'm trusting you for the future, Father. And everyone here has their own stories. Everyone here has their own families. Everyone here has their own friends, their own situations, Father. But we just declare right now that you are faithful and you are true, that you are good and you are gracious, that you are merciful to us, Father. And we thank you for your goodness towards us. Lord God, you know every single person here. You know where they're at. You know their place of need you know where their fear is you know where what's keeping them awake you know what worry is on their door but we know that we can come and we can trust in you because you are good that you are faithful that you are consistent even though we are not lord and we put our trust in you we realize that faith though isn't a smooth ride we realize that it can be like a woman hanging in the air with ropes dangling from a cloud it seems so unbelievable it seems so so hard to do but we know that you are there that you are for us not against us and we know that as we look at Jesus and how he came and died in our place to purchase this for us that we can have these promises Lord we are just so grateful this morning Lord and we can't wait to share in the future the testimonies Lord of what you are going to do in our lives come be with us in Jesus name amen